0: Good afternoon, dear Broken Oz listener. You're about to listen to our interview with the frankly mind-blowing and outstanding rowing athlete, Elizabeth Gilmore, who over the past couple of years has taken both the indoor rowing world and the Northeastern American on the water rowing world by storm, uh, culminating in what seems to be a recent week of world records on the ergo after <laughs> after winning four golds at the Nas- National Masters Championship. This, is, this as per always has been a brilliant fun chat to do, but there is a slight problem that making a podcast unlike many things on the internet is not free. It actually costs us a not insignificant amount of money to produce this content. And we would uh, appeal to you, our dear listener, to consider, if you are enjoying our content, to go to the link underneath this podcast. And on it, you will find uh, on a, the Buy Me A Coffee link. There is a way that you can contribute to the ongoing costs of the website and the podcast and we will be hugely grateful if you do we've had a few contributions lately and we are immensely grateful and we'll of course read out uh those contributions so thank you very much indeed um on with the show Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Broken Oars podcast with my esteemed partner, Dr. Aaron Jackson. And today we are enormously privileged to be talking to Elizabeth Gilmore, who not only was the silver medalist in the 2022 um, World Indoor Rowing Championships, but gold medalist in the 2023 Versa Indoor, uh, World Indoor Rowing Championship event and that made her the the first champion in that event um, in the women's category. And Elizabeth, am I right in saying that you've just come back from the national masters championship in the US where you've done quite well?
1: We have done quite well, and I'm really lucky to be a part of the team that I'm on. Um, That was a great regatta and I had a lot of fun and got a lot of good experience too.
0: So which boats did you race in? Hmm.
1: Um, I raced in eight um, in both open and club in I think A, B, and C. I think six total categories. (laughs) Lots and lots of racing. (laughs) In Indianapolis, we had like tailwinds. We had headwinds. Like every day, it was something a little bit different. And um, yeah, sorry, what was that? How many
0: days was the event?
1: Uh, Thursday through Sunday, so four days.
0: Okay, okay, it's probably big event. Okay, that that makes me feel slightly better <laughs> than just like you know, we're just gonna knock out six 1k races and get medals in like loads of them.
2: I was, did you think that, that did you bad. think that Elizabeth had done this on the day? She just like rocked up and done half a dozen races, won them all and then drove home the same night for a pizza. <laughs> it wouldn't
0: have surprised me, frankly.
2: So I so which rowing
0: club do you actually row for?
1: Uh, Capital Rowing Club in DC.
0: Okay, so obviously, is there a very kind of strong rowing culture in DC? I'm I'm not too good on my American rowing.
1: Oh, it's okay. So before I start, I actually grew up in the area, and rowing was very much not on my radar. I've since learned that there are some high schools who row. It seems like it's primarily uh, private schools, with some of the local high schools as well. But
0: good. Okay. Um,
1: so uh, I don't think it's really widely something that people think about and talk about, but there's definitely some great clubs in the area for people who are wanting to get out and get on the water. Um, I can think of about four different boat houses.
2: Okay, all cause... a bit of a
1: haul for me, but close enough.
2: So when we've talked to American rowers before, that they, they've explored the difference between the the collegiate system, which uh, which you know feeds into the Ivy leagues and and informs a lot of what happens in in terms of things like the national squad and that kind of thing going forward. But they also identified that um, there are rowing clubs that, that exist that are not part of the collegiate, the collegiate structure. I'm guessing yours is a, a club in the sense that Loon and I would know it in terms of rowing at Agecroft or rowing up here at tiny United or, or rowing down there at Spitfire. It's a, it's a club for all. It's not linked to a university. Would that be right?
1: That's correct. Uh, We have masters and we have juniors, but uh, we have a lot of ex-college rowers, but, um, and I I was actually talking to somebody from uh, New Zealand yesterday about their club system and it seems like it's um, probably much easier to find really competitive rowing there. Like I've just talked with a few people here where it seems like it's generally harder in the United States to find good coaching and clubs
2: um after college um we're having this issue not this issue but we're having a scenario in britain where a lot of junior rowers are going to specific clubs clubs like oxford brooks down in the south um because they it's a pathway through to the squad if they have national or international ambitions and it's it's also it's a, it's kind of a pathway through to things like henley do you find in the club community and and you might only be able to speak for your club but are a lot of the rowers and coaches kind of if they want to, I think it's called crew in America, if they want to row crew or they want to scull or they want to coach crew or coach sculling, they're, they're kind of funneled towards the collegiate side?
1: I don't know the answer to that. Um, okay. I came to this as an adult and so I think I have a much different background than somebody who would be finding the sport in high school and then wanting to get, take it to a really competitive level. And there's a lot of gaps in my knowledge about what that would look
0: like okay sorry yeah uh, we're, we're 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 famous for gaps in our knowledge on this podcast
2: <laughs> we've built this podcast on the gaps in our knowledge
1: there are a lot of gaps in my knowledge and i feel like um it frequently surprises people and they just get a kick out of it so
0: <laughs> no not at all we we're, we're... We we constantly need to go back to the internet to check, which was basically what we we're doing before the podcast started. So, what is your kind of like? What is your sporting background and sporting history? Because it seems as though rowing has been a very very good fit for you. Um, where where were you before, and 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 how did you find sport?
1: Yeah, so I ran a trekking cross country in high school and college. I went to a D3 college and I really enjoyed trekking cross country and I was good enough at it to get awards like scholar athlete of the year. Um, and right. right. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. Uh, enjoyed that and then uh after that battled a couple of injuries had a lot of babies and that punctuated a lot of my training um had a little bit of a stint in powerlifting just for fun and just generally kept training um uh throughout that primarily running and lifting
2: so
0: i mean you you mentioned on instagram after it's like uh listening to our podcast with uh dylan and ian from sub seven um that you kind of saw some similarities in that kind of love of type two fun oh yeah and and that sort of like athletic background and rather than kind of team sports is, Mm is is that i mean is that something you see just around everybody in rowing or is is it do, do you do you think you're kind of like special in that because certainly it really rang a bell for me the the type two fun thing
1: i feel like most people i've talked to who know that classification system are that way and uh I don't know. We've had times where just, you know, we, you know, it's the last day of the month and we have one slot on the boat left and somebody's like, okay, hold my beer. I've been been at it, but let me go out and go in and um, get some pretty good scores out of that. But yeah, I I see a lot of that just liking to push yourself through tough things and uh, have fun doing it.
0: I mean, well, actually both Dylan and Ian, and I suppose arguably myself, they, injuries seem to play quite a big part in in like ending them up on the rowing machine and you've been quite Mm -hmm. open about the fact that you've like you've suffered with kind of like knee injuries Mm -hmm. on instagram is was that a big part that's like brought you into the into the kind of like rowing and the rowing machine and the rowing stroke in general
1: yeah, so we bought a concept two kind of beginning of 2021 just for cross training options uh, because I tend to just injure myself with pretty high running mileage. And then, uh, surprise, surprise, I fractured my tibia and got really tired of the bike really quickly. And as soon as my orthopedic surgeon okayed it, I was I started off with more like legs back rowing just to do something other than just sitting on the bike for. Yeah. hours um but then uh concept two had their holiday challenge where i think you're trying to hit 100k 200k yeah. something right. like that and i was like well this seems like a fun thing to do so i started really doing a lot of that and um found i really enjoyed that much more than the stationary bike
0: so, am i right in saying that you have been rowing since 2021 on the indoor
1: scene? I'm going to say yes and no to that. So back in college I studied abroad for a semester and one of my really close friends rode for Williams and he kept dragging me to the local boathouse in Budapest so we could erg together and he um, uh, was pretty adamant about uh, legs back arms, (laughs) arms back legs. So and then I just kind of stopped. But like when I came to it um, in 2021, I at least had that little bit in my head where uh, that was you, you somewhat that helpful,
0: sequence, basically.
1: Yeah, uh, and I didn't uh, get it right, but I knew on an intellectual level kind of that there <laughs> was some sequencing.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's kind of like most of my most of my rowing. I, I know what I'm going to be doing
2: whether I'm doing it
0: or not it's like you know Aaron will tell you he sat behind
2: me um, yeah. it was a it was a wonderful and joyous experience that uh, that you know um very intensive psychotherapy has has helped me to largely forget um no I'm not going to be harsh about the big lad he's an awesome rower he's a he's a he's a fantastic unit and he he's a he, he's a great rower I love rowing with him and we'll come back to the arms back legs thing because I'm starting to feel when I'm out in the single that that they're optional, really. You can <laughs> you can kind of pick and choose the ones that you want to use. I just want to clarify. Mm-hmm. You've always been active, so you come from a track yeah. and field background and a very very successful one. Issues with injuries, it seems to be the knees. Would I be right in thinking they that was because of the track and, the pounding that you get in track and field?
1: Uh, so in high school, I did have two uh, knee surgeries uh, that resulted from meniscal tears in basketball. And that's the point okay. at which I was like, basketball is possibly not my sport. It's not really right. worth this.
2: The twisting um, and, the ter- and the turning is right. OK.
1: Yeah. And just kind of crashing into people with planted legs. And it, it, there's just a lot going on there. That's sure. lots of injury potential. Um so um, at this point, I've had surgeries on both of my knees, and the running on top of that hasn't really been kind to the cartilage that I have left. Good, sure. but then also um, runners sometimes tend to undereat, but and uh, that leaves us a little bit more susceptible to bone injuries. So that's something that um,
2: that played into that.
1: Yeah, I've had. I I don't even remember the number of stress fractures i've had i've probably had about four metatarsal stress fractures at this point plus the tibia plus i just fractured an ankle doing very non-doing yard work basically so um
2: and 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 the, the broken tibia was that because of the sheer awesome power of your rowing stroke or was that something else
1: i was this is like classic what not to do so just um I uh, was in a place where the doctor told me I needed to gain a little bit of weight. So I was trying to gain a little bit of weight. Mm. Um, I was training for a half marathon. I got COVID and I was basically in bed for like two weeks. And then I was like race coming up. Got to just dive right into that training schedule right where I left off. And
2: yeah, like of an those athlete. three
1: things <laughs> together are possibly not advisable, but that, yeah, that's uh I was running and it just it was niggly and then suddenly I couldn't even push off of it. I was like this is not not good. I told the doctor I'm not going to tell you how to diagnose things, but here are all the risk factors for a stress fracture at this point.
2: Because you are pretty well practiced in spotting <laughs> stress fractures by that point. M- moving to rowing, which is which is in which is a non-weight bearing, well it is weight bearing in some ways but it's a non-impact. Have you found you obviously want to be active. Um, you've been active all of your life. Has it been a good transition into that? Have you found something that you think, yeah, I can I can train with this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick up the the, the niggles and in the injuries that I've got. It's gonna feed my love of competition. Or was it a case of I'll I'll do this for a bit until I get until everything's healed and then I'll get back out and I'll do what I've always done?
1: Well, I started off as I'm going to do this for a bit until I get healed, but then I discovered I really like all the numbers and just seeing that incremental progress over time. Um, there's some I like, found road royalty and uh, some of the virtual competitions that were still going on with COVID and all of that was just a lot of fun. And mm. I also realized I'm a little bit better at erging, um, um, at least than I am at running from a competitive standpoint. So just all of that together. Um, I just haven't really gone back to running in the same way.
0: Okay. Cool. Um so when
2: okay, so again I'm I'm still slightly
0: dog by the by the timeline that is like, okay, right. 2021, I really started it. And then 2023, kind of various kind of national and World titles.
2: Basically, struggling with the concept that we've been doing this for twenty years. Elizabeth's been doing it for about eighteen months, and she's buried both of us.
0: Yeah, I'm, I am struggling with this. It's okay, like, there's a degree of jealousy. I'm not. I'm not but is it? Is there, Does does this like just? Because the thing is that essentially, I, I I've probably been following you on Instagram for maybe nine months a year. Um, I mean, sort of since since I think since the run up to I mean I, I I don't know how long it is. I've just been aware that you were there, and I was also aware that kind of you were an indoor rower, but you did seem to have really quite good technique,
2: which is rare for indoor rowers, not to be catty <laughs> about it or, or anything. But if you've been to your local gym and seen some of the combination of arms, back, and legs that are going on, oh my (laughs) god!
0: (laughs) But it it was when you got the slides and you just looked as like, yeah, that that's that's rowing. That that's how that's how you roll the slides. That's really really good. Um, Where where has this woman got all her coaching from? And are you just one of these people who does sport and they're just good at it, regardless?
1: Well, very uncoordinated with a lot of things, first of all, just to kind of put that. um, But last summer, I did take a sixth class, uh, learn to skull thing, one of the local, and they were, they pointed. I wasn't sequencing right, there, there were a number of things that they pointed out to me, and I started trying to incorporate those, and they were also encouraging me to videotape myself and then look at it afterwards and see what I was doing well and not doing well and they showed me video and i was like i don't even know what i'm looking at here honestly but um so i think that's of limited use if you don't know what a proper stroke looks like but just having that feedback really helps okay um, yeah
2: it never stops S- sorry Lou. I hear. no i
0: mean yeah. it, it, you. It, you just seem as though you've got this immensely diligent attitude towards getting better. You you kind of pursue coaching and you pursue kind of like, no, no, seriously, how, how do I do this better? I mean, is, is that just was that something that you've always had or?
1: I tend to be that way with stuff that I'm working on, just really trying to hone over time and incrementally work on getting things better. It's also been extremely helpful just being um, in a club in person where every day we have one or two launches with us where, you know, coach has a megaphone and is yelling at us and Cox is yelling at us. And sometimes I have the woman behind me also whispering things into my ear and, um, but just that constant feedback about what I'm doing and, you know, okay, yeah, you, you incorporate that feedback well, or nope, you're still doing that has been really, really helpful over the last months.
0: Be honest that actually sounds like you've had really positive coaching as well just like um because I think both myself and Aaron could could tell you examples of coaching where it wasn't really like that um I'm I, no Aaron I'm not talking about Dennis I'm not talking about Dennis <laughs> okay. um but it it, it it was like really you know there's a, I think there's a very amateur ethos in, in coaching in the UK. And so you can just get people who just have just a long history in the sport and haven't really thought about how to transmit that knowledge, um, or even the best ways to transmit knowledge full stop and actually having people who are saying, okay, yeah, that was good. You do that one again, rather than just like. Do exactly what you just did, but less shit this time.
2: <laughs> and I've
0: literally had that feedback in the boat, so it's um, so yeah, I don't know. It seems like you've you've had really positive coaching, which is nice.
1: They're fabulous. Like I love my coaches. I love my coxes. Um, I mean, and uh, some of our uh, competitive sweep uh, women also coach in the evening and. Uh, our coach has deliberately seated them behind me in the boat before so that they can also watch me directly from behind and just tell me what they're seeing, hmm. being a little bit closer to me. And all of that's been super helpful.
2: It's really coming across that Loon and I were were born in the wrong country, <laughs> live in the wrong country, <laughs> row in the wrong country.
0: need <laughs> to move to the Chesapeake Bay area just a <laughs> <to move> rowing <around laughs> club. It really sounds great. You know,
1: I don't know how common this is. Um, I So I joined because one of the girls currently on the team reached out to me in the concept two logbook and said, I see you live in the area. Um, They let me just join as a new athlete with good ERG scores last year. And it's been a blast. And would you like to talk to them and see if you can just join too without going through a learn to row program? And that sounded really appealing because I didn't want to go through that learn to row program necessarily yeah. like i wanted to be able to hop in and just uh, realizing there's a lot of technique that comes with it but um
2: would you like to tell elizabeth about how you gain entry to british rowing clubs lewin or shall i
1: <laughs> do i want to know
2: no oh, you don't I, I, no. I, the it, knock it, knock three times like it. and enter it,
0: it's been a long time but it, it was a question of just like i would open the conversation, you know, somewhere in the first two sentences with my kind of like personal best over various distances. And in general, I do think that the rowing machine has had a hugely egalitarian effect on rowing in the UK in that you can do that. You can have no history in the sport, but you've just like attacked the machine in the gym and you say, I can do this. At that point, somebody will their eyes will light up and say, "I can turn you into Aurora for my club, and you will win much stuff."
2: But um, well, there's still that element. This
0: bit, like that, that's what's happened to you. Except, I mean, how how long have you been a member of that club for?
1: Uh, I think tryouts were end of March, so we're going on. What was that?
0: little over four months now that's that's really
1: quite... <laughs> impressive
0: yeah so for four months to it's like national masters standard um this i mean it genuinely seems like you know you were just born to do this i mean is it are you are you thinking oh you know this is like national masters this year paris next year is is it the sky's the limit or
1: I don't know. And I know very much at this point where age is a consideration where, you know, I'm on an upward trajectory right now, and I'm not quite sure how that will last, but I've seen some really impressive times from women in their early 40s. So have
0: -hmm, my fingers
1: crossed, but right now I'm just trying to get the blade in the water well and keep it in the water (laughs) and we'll see after that.
2: Um, I wouldn't worry about age. I mean, Redgrave was still winning into his late 30s. There are men and women who are still competing into their 40s. There was a really interesting study done by a rowing coach called Thor Nielsen, who identified that a lot of rowers have success in their early, mid and late 30s, as opposed to their 20s, because of what he called efficiency, which is essentially the more times you take the rowing stroke, the more efficient you become at actually moving the boat. So even if your ERG scores are kind of dropping off in your in your middle 30s as, as you get older, as someone like Steve Redgraves were, the, the years that he had refining his stroke and making it more and more efficient um, meant that he could still move the boat better than anybody else over a, a given distance. What what I'd just like to wind back a, a little bit, Elizabeth, and also Lewin, is um, you jumped on the ERG as kind of a rehab thing, but I'm getting the sense that there is a competitive athlete within. How soon were you thinking, right, there are numbers involved here? And Lewin has a theory, which which I share with him, that rowers have a particular psychological trait. It doesn't mean that we're all the same, but it means that we tend to like the rowing stroke. We find something in it. We tend to like being able to measure our power outputs. We tend to like the data we can get off off a screen or we tend to like the data we can get off an outing and we like to we like to evaluate things how soon into your rehab did you start thinking okay okay rehabs going fine but i i want to do something i want to compete and is that competitive thing is that innate have you had that since a young age or is that something that's developed over time you like measuring yourself against where you are where you could be or measuring yourself against others
1: i do like That competition and just tracking of things too, like not necessarily against other people, but like can I lift more than I did last month or can I, you know, like do these 800 meter repeats faster than I did them uh, last time. Um, I saw a, there was a, I think it's actually still uh, pinned to the top of one of the, on the, the C2 forum, I think it's pinned to the top of something, even though it's very out of date at this point about uh, Scottish Indoor Rowing Championships in 2022, and those were completely virtual, and it said you didn't need to be Scottish, you just, you know, here's where to register, and I thought, well, okay, like, why not, kind of, and so I did that, and I did quite well at that, and then uh, my mom reached out to me and said, I'd noticed uh, with uh, the World Rowing Championship, so you have to qualify, but your time with that would qualify you right now. And it was open for, I think, like three more days at that point for submissions. And um, I didn't videotape myself doing the Scottish thing. And because I wasn't a person, the score just did not count towards that submission. I was like, well, I guess I got to do a 2K like now if I want to qualify. And, um, I did one, and then as soon as I was done, one of my kids was came in and like, oh, I missed the bus, mom, I need to ride to school. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, at that point I started competing. I did uh, Worlds last year virtually and Crash Bees virtually, and I did the Road Royalty stuff, and the, also just trying to, you know, on the um, Concept2 website, just the different rankings, trying to gradually move up A little bit on each of those over time
0: and that that's going quite well (laughs) in the past 24 hours hasn't it i mean
1: is it 24 uh, hours or is
0: like a whole 36 hours since you've broken like an age group world record
1: uh it was a little under 24 hours ago (laughs) um but yeah it was gonna be sprint week and sprint week's kind of stretching out a little bit but That one yesterday was harder. Um,
2: Good. good. We're (laughs) we're pleased to hear that, that a world record might have taken something out of you. That's great. That makes us feel so much better.
1: (laughs) My back today is like, I'm still, it took me a while to like be able to move normally. Like it's fine, but it just, um, yeah. I didn't realize how much of a difference doing the higher drag factor on slides was helping to,
2: Hmm.
1: um, yeah. Yeah, So, but yesterday it was static.
0: Yeah, so, so yesterday it was, it was the 500 meter and you kind of had Tyler Witt pacing you virtually. Was that right?
1: Yeah, I reached out to him. Um, so I got a 127 on slides and the world record set that for statics was 127.9. And I reached out to him because he does a lot on both statics and slides sprinting. and. Asked what kind of difference he would expect between the two, and he said, probably one to one and a half seconds, but I did not die as much as he felt like I should have died in the last 100 of the slides 500 so he thought maybe I could come in faster than that. Have you already
2: have, sorry, I, I'm, going to ask no. the question, I'm going to ask the question that Lewin normally would, because he's the sciencey one, and I, I'm just kind of the, the decorative window dressing. <laughs> have you have you done things like VO2 max tests and things like that? Because you seem to be able to put out phenomenal amounts. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Lewin. That's, that's impressive stuff.
1: I haven't had that or lactate testing or any of that.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, what... Um, but- yeah, I, I, again, it, it it might just be another way of telling you that you're like a really, really good athlete, which I, I think we've probably already established. But yeah, I mean, that is absolutely, those scores are absolutely phenomenal. I think that over the shorter distances, so 500 a 1,000, there is a, the gap between men and women gets wider. Um, but, one twenty.
2: What was the
1: score? One twenty six. One twenty seven. One twenty seven, even on slides, and one twenty seven point six on the static erg. Yes,
2: yeah, so I, I know men. I know men who would struggle to do that. I would struggle to do that now that I'm old and grey. Good.
0: God. Yeah. No. I mean, that that's just immense. And and also, it seemed as though. I mean, I was watching the video. I don't know how you felt about it um but when i watched it i was like i didn't realize my first was watching it i thought it was just okay you're doing a really really fast piece of work it was just like okay there's okay she's going for it again is, is is this one of like the record attempts no it can't be because she's rowing like she should be rowing rather than like rowing like a sprinter where it's just like really hard short big, massive body swing you you, I, I don't know. It, it's almost as though if you just like absolutely went for it and just battered up and down the slides, you might go even faster. Um, okay. You were uh, rowing with really good uh, technique. That's just like
2: <laughs> what it, Loon's trying to say is you, <laughs> you broke the world record rowing properly, whereas most people who break world records in sprint distances are just like all arms and back and no legs. Yours was like a beautiful flow. So I mean. <laughs> We don't want you to get injured. We're not suggesting that you shorten up and just use the biceps, but shorten up and please use the biceps.
1: Uh, I don't know if you watched the 100 meter, but I could not stay on that seat. Yeah. <laughs> that was... You, you have a stretch
0: something. Uh, uh...
1: So I was DMing with people between attempts. Actually, that was my fourth one that broke it. And um, someone suggested glue, and the glue did not keep me on the seat. I tried glue. You actually tried glue? (laughs) and um, Tyson said judo belts and I didn't have one and I grabbed the chain off of my um, dip belt and used a couple of carabiners and that got me to the right length and it tore up my hips though. Like I would not <laughs> recommend chaining yourself to the erg. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Many roaring coaches in the Many United Kingdom yeah. would, but there you go. Um, and and so that that was, so that was the hundred meters on slide, uh-huh. and oh. and that was again a world record
1: it was like not an overall world record but uh age group yes okay
0: um, okay again <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying it, it, it's it's kind of the sort of i suppose the um carl lewis mentality or kind of the usain bolt mentality it's kind of um talking about breaking world records it's just like oh yeah I did like the world record over the mile or or, or whatever it is is it is it just I mean how how does that feel to just be at that level
1: it's a little unbelievable for me and especially the 500 yesterday um elena Buryak had the record and i immensely look up to her and just um that was a little um surprising to find myself in contention and slightly ahead of where she would be and a lot of the slide stuff like right now the um age group slides uh, 2k world record is uh i think 712. and okay. at some point i should tackle that one But, um, so so that's just less meaningful overall, just given where the records currently are. Whereas, um, especially the static ones, there are just so many fabulous rowers who have gone for them, where it's just incredible to beat that.
0: No, that's just, that's a, uh, yeah, I mean, Erin, I don't know if you know who Elena Buryak is. She's just this Amazonian individual from the Ukraine who has essentially been dominating women's indoor rowing for the past close to half a decade, maybe more. Um, and she, I mean, she's genuinely a brilliant, brilliant athlete. And you know, I, I I had no idea it was her record, and that that's that's just gobsmacking that you're at that level.
1: That in her twenties she had a one twenty four point five, I think. Okay. But um, but yeah, just that just is unbelievable to me.
2: Can you tell that we don't often get to talk to world record holders very often? Because <laughs> we're both like that's unbelievably good. It, um. <laughs>
0: It, it, yeah, it's, it's just, no, um, congratulations. That is just such yeah. achievement. Um, and, you know, obviously, there, it seems as though there is a fair amount of natural talent for the sport, but you have worked very, very hard and very, very scientifically on this. And, you know, you, you seem as though, I don't know, well... No, I kind of recommend a podcast that we did with a guy called Jez Moore and he was very, very big on on things that I think might slot in with the way you approach stuff in the, he said, always try and pick ideas and try different things from different sports to inform rowing rather than so he, he, he talks about having an athlete mentality rather than a rowers mentality Um, and, you know, obviously you seem like you're a very coachable individual um, who enjoys the process of learning, but you know, you you do everything from weights and using slides and all these things. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm just going on. I I don't know what point I was trying to make. It it, it just just seems that, you you know, you're kind of a little bit of an example to everybody in how to pursue goals in in the sport. Um,
2: Because because Jez's idea, Elizabeth, sorry, Jez is a friend of ours. He's he's an ex-Leandra, an ex-international coach. And the thing that he noticed about Rose is Especially because of Britain's success at, you know, with the um, our Olympic success that goes all the way back to the 80s now, um, thanks to Redgrave and Pinson and Redgrave and Holmes and and you know Redgrave and and um, Martin Cross and and people like that. His 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 looking at it from a coach's perspective, he felt that that Britain had maxed out the effort lever. So essentially, there are a lot of rowers at the national and moving into the international level, and even at the club level, because everything filters down, who were doing hour upon hour upon hour on the rowing machine, just going up and down the rowing machine all all of the time. And, and, And if the squad does high volume, then club athletes have to do high volume. And Jez's thing was very much the rowing mentality is just grinded out. Mileage makes medals. But bad miles don't make medals. They just make junk miles, and they're no good for your body. Jez's thing about the athlete mentality was if you give me, and I think he says in the podcast, okay, you take eight rowers, I'll take eight athletes, you train them the way that you want to train them as as rowers would train with high volume, and I will I will train my eight athletes. They'll do two sessions a week in a boat, and they'll go for two runs a week, and my athletes will beat your rowers. Because an athlete mentality is the love of competition the love of problem solving, staying fresh, um, and and finding ways to engage with being active in, in a way that makes sense to you. So if we come, Lou and I come from this high volume ap- approach, could you take us through what an average week might look like? Not necessarily a competition week, although it seems like you just knock out world records for fun how do you kind of how do you kind of structure your your training is is it what jez is talking about a little bit of different things or how would that look
1: so until pretty recently i did incorporate more cross training just to keep things fresh and fun and um especially just kind of that you know zone two steady state type work just substituting in in quite a few different things for that um right now i'm still uh, in a knee rehab type thing where that's limiting what I'm able to do there. But um, yeah, like a typical week, um, I'm on the water with the team uh, Monday through Friday um, for about an hour and 20 minutes a day. And all the programming for that is set by our coach. Um, today, we did drills and then steady state. And tomorrow, we're going to do some one by one minute on, one minute off pieces. Um So a good mix of different things there. Um, And then uh, other than that, everything is uh, I do what Cam Buckingham calls me to do. And sometimes I ask him to incorporate other things. And I've been kind of lighting him up today. (laughs) But um, so uh, often what that looks like is a lot of steady state, um, lifting twice a week, uh, one kind of um, orange like medium type of work so for me that would be around a two minute pace Um, and i actually did that yesterday after the 500 Um, and then usually one harder session and it's been a lot of more 2k specific work or cross team challenge or that kind of thing and we're about to move more into preparing for head races so um saturday is going to be the first longer hard thing in a while which is exciting
0: okay so which race is
1: that one uh head of the charles in october is our next big goal race
2: okay so you're working towards head of the charles in boston yes fantastic do you think having come from um basketball knee injuries running more knee injuries all of the things that are associated with 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 running you know Runners are like cyclists. We we watch calories and we count them, and it's not necessarily great for us. Into indoor rowing, casually smashing records left and right. Now, now on the water, mm-hmm. um, you're in an eight, which is Loon and I are heretics in as much as we think that the eight is the hardest boat to row. Whereas really? single school, yeah, well, well single scullers will tell you it's the single scull because mm-hmm. they're single scullers, so they have to draw attention to themselves. But, but also, um, good single schooling is beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. But the thing is, if, if you jump in a single and you just kind of teach yourself, you can kind of get it going without necessarily developing a beautifully classical technique. Whereas in an eight, because there are eight component parts, and everyone has to blend with everyone else, and then all of you know stroke pair have to blend, bow pair have to blend, middle four have to blend, then the whole boat has to blend. The reason why it's so satisfying when it starts to work is because it takes a lot of time to make it click. It takes a lot of coaching and a lot of people working with each other. Um, You're in the A at at the moment, which is a great, I think is a great boat to learn in. Sorry, all single scholars. I think, you know, I think you're wonderful, really. Do do you see yourself, you haven't transitioned from indoor to the water, but you're incorporating the water into this. How does that feel, having sat on an erg? Because I have this theory that if you're a rower, you will take you will you will find a way to get out on the water because there's something about being out on the water that just does it for you. Do you see it as another as another extension of your competitive nature and you like being active? Or, or have you had that moment yet in an eight where you go, bang, oh yes, I want to do that again. That is amazing. You know, that connection to the water.
1: So somebody's ways, irking is a little unusual for me and that you sh- most of what I like to do is outside. Like I a lot of running a lot of hiking and backpacking and those kinds of things and so i feel like being on the water plays well into just that element of being in nature um being with other people is a little bit more unusual for me <laughs> so okay that that's worked really well um <clears throat> excuse me it's okay. but um i forget what the question is
2: <laughs> the question the question is you've 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 excelled at everything thus far. In terms of the water rowing, do you feel like you've found a sport that you can develop with over time? And would you want to stay in the eight or, or would you would you like to experiment with a four or a pair or a single or, you know, are you finding that you're you're at home on the water and this is something that you really want to pursue?
1: Yeah, I really want to continue being on the water. Um, I've been in a four- a couple times and it's a lot of like last week um we just didn't have enough people going to optional practices to fill eights and so i was enough for and it's a lot more responsive when you do things um yeah that you shouldn't be doing
2: <laughs> yeah but, but when you do good things it it's tells fun. you as well, yeah
1: yes and um yeah that was a lot of fun um i don't know if we what votes we have beyond on that we definitely have sculling where um and they've been uh Uh, inviting me to start doing that some and I just don't know at a certain point just how things fit in with my schedule and sure so it it, it, if you know in a vacuum I think it would be great to learn how to do all the things (laughs) Hmm. and get a teammate who was in the eight with us this morning and then immediately went and grabbed um sculling oars and I could see her get trying to get a skull out on the water for a second session before yeah
2: it's that's one of the things we've talked about we lose a lot of rowers in this country because if you're a runner you've got half an hour pop your shoes on you can you can go knock out 4 or 5 miles if you're a cyclist you know the the children are elsewhere for an hour right i can fit in an hour cycle but with rowing um it takes a lot of time how are you finding balancing all of your training with your work and your family life and all of those kind of things
1: it's uh, so a few things have been slipping a little, like what time we were supposed to meet today. Sorry about that, <laughs> but for, for the most part, it's been more doable than I thought it was going to be, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, so we have a really good system at home. Uh, we have a, my husband's super supportive. The kids are, you know, just great around it. We have a au pair who's really helpful with just bridging some of those times and. Um, yeah, just, yeah. it's working with a really good support
0: network. Oh yeah, that's really important. So, yeah. Something you mentioned is like, and Erin, and you brought it up as well, is like in cycling and running in particular, there is this, there's a focus on athlete weight and how much you're eating. Have, have you noticed like a distinct change in cultures when it with rowing, which I, I kind of tend to think of as a as a pro-cake sport? Um it, 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 I mean, I, I don't know what it's like at your club, but is is there that thing it's like, yeah, that's not something we think about. That's not something we worry about.
1: Um I really haven't heard much discussion around that at the club. Um I did ask Coach very much earlier on um, about weight, and I don't think he quite understood that I was trying to ask, would it be beneficial for me to be gaining some weight from where I am? But I think he just recognizes it's a sensitive topic and doesn't tend to want to discuss it much. Um, The guys I'm friends with seem to be much more open to discussing weight and Manipulating it to ch- hit what they're trying to achieve with that. So I don't know how much of that's a gender thing as well.
2: Okay. Yeah. In yeah. terms of they're tr- they're trying to get down to lightweight, or they're thinking, right, I'm I'm eighty five kilos. If I put five kilos of, of of muscle on, that will that will help with my with my power output. Or
1: one of my friends is trying to gain muscle right now, and so he's talking a bit about that. Okay. Um I did have a sprinter friend continually telling me to eat more cheeseburgers earlier in the year, and I would tell him to eat fewer cheeseburgers.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a good back and forth.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. It, it's one of the things that we're kind of thinking about, sort of doing a podcast on because there's been uh, there's been, I suppose yet another scandal in elite sports coaching in the uk where it definitely seems though one of our principal sporting universities in their swim in the swimming side of things Mm -hmm. there there was a possibly a monomaniacal focus on athlete weight as opposed to athlete performance and it was almost just seen as like you cannot perform unless you hit this weight and losing weight is a sign of increased performance um and that that just seemed like really really poor coaching um and and it's something i i think in rowing we, we find quite alien um and having not really been any kind of like competitive runner it's not it's just kind of a mentality that i'm trying to understand a little bit more
1: it's interesting too because i think sometimes it's not even coming from coaching staff our college coaching staff would have us go to the nutrition talk at the beginning of each year where they would basically tell us to eat food Mm. um but then you know you compare your body to the other girls who are faster and i'm usually larger than they are and so even if um you know it's not coming from the coaching staff sometimes you start to wonder too like is this weight beneficial to me or would i do better if i were you know a body shaped more like her and i think some people start to also just if you start getting really geeky about the numbers and vo2 max calculations and stuff like that those benefit from losing weight and that's yeah. some the cyclists are coming in too um now, all that being said, I'm not trying to compete as a lightweight. And I don't know like, if you're kind of at a height where you could get to that weight and be healthy if that starts to really weigh in there as well. Um,
2: yeah. So, Loon and I will never make lightweight. We're both well over <laughs> six foot. I've been around 13 stone 10 since I was 18. Loon has been slightly heavier, but he's about a foot taller than me. Um, and we've, we've, we never, I don't think we've ever had any issues about our weight. Mm-hmm. We've always been fairly healthy eaters, I think, Loon, but we've never turned down cake when it's been on offer. It just strikes me what Loon's talking about as it being, you know, quite poor coaching to suggest that lighter is better. Mm-hmm. It's also quite poor interpretation of, of the science of it. So I could be... 14 stone so what's that that's 92 that's 92 kilos in new money if i'm if i'm 92 kilos of pure muscle and my muscles are filled with active mitochondria and i've been training for 10 years um in rowing which is a reservoir sport so the longer you do it the you know the efficiency feeds in the more efficient all of your your body systems are that's very different to me being 14 stone sat on a couch eating potato chips who's never actually you know, walked a step or, or lifted a weight in a, in his life. So it, mm-hmm. it seems like, and I'm just going to come bring it back to rowing. There was a there was a post on Instagram recently from British Rowing, um, and it was from the the lady side, and it was about managing diet. And I I actually wrote to the I actually wrote to British Rowing and said this is really really poor wording telling telling your elite athletes to manage their diets especially when so much focus is put on the squad from clubs and from young women who are aspirational and young men who are a- a- aspirational, the message that you have to manage your diet is 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 a very, very poorly worded one. When to be an elite athlete, um, you, you shouldn't be looking at the scales and thinking, right, if I was a stone lighter, right, if I was five pounds lighter, if I was a kilogram lighter, I would be faster because it's not it's not the right message to send to, um, both in terms of health and, and wellness, but in terms of teenage girls who are in junior programs, who who might be struggling, who might be finding that, you know, in a life that feels like it's out of control, way to something that they might be able to. So um, I think what Lewin and I are, are, are driving at is, if you row, you're allowed to eat cake. Would that be kind of the long and short of it, Lewin?
0: Yeah, that I mean, yeah, I I I, <laughs> I I one of one of the most famous British Women's Rowers, um Anna Watkins, basically said she, she took up rowing at university because it was something she could do and eat whatever she wanted. Um and but it it's kind of almost I mean I, I do find it very interesting to say that kind of the weight focus. And the number focus is not necessarily driven by coaches. Um, so I think
1: anyone is allowed to eat cake, first of all, but I know exactly the post you're talking about and I found it immensely triggering. And yeah. I had a moment of, do I say something here? And I think I just opted to walk away from that one. But. I I do notice quite a few teenage girls online who are just um, not adequately fueling for the amount of activity that they're doing. And sometimes they're receptive to hearing that, but a lot of times they're not as much. And um, just on this side of things, I've broken enough bones where I, you know, I probably have a different perspective about that, but I don't really know what you do about that.
2: It's a, it's a hard one. And I think education comes in, but also, realizing that, um, we chatted with Eric Murray a while ago. Um, awesome bloke, uh, basically a Viking antipodean rowing God of a man who talked a lot of sense. Um, and he pointed out the absolute brutality of top level sports. So you can be an aspirational junior, or you can be an aspirational under 23 year old, but the, 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 the chances of you going on to win Olympic medals, it's it's not just one in a hundred, it's one in it's one in a million, really, even with the right pathway in coaching. So you really have to enjoy rowing or any activity or sport that you do as an adjunct to your life that that actually fulfills you emotionally, uh, um, as well as being something aspirational. His point was that it literally takes a second for a gold medal to be hung r- 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 around his neck. It was one second, but it took him 10 years to get there. And the thing was the the journey of 10 years was more important to him and more fulfilling to him. You know, the the gold medal was wonderful, but he really enjoyed the journey. You have to kind of enjoy the journey. And the weight thing is a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a red herring uh, in as much as, or a, a our coach at Agecroft, Dennis O'Neill, we had a wonderful rower called Mark Hancock who weighed about 72 kilos wet through, always made our eight go faster. We didn't know how, because his 2K score wasn't monstrous. He just made the boat feel better. And he used to go up to Dennis after 2K testing and say, can I have my score weight adjusted? Because I'm 20 kilos lighter than Aaron or you know 25 kilos lighter than Lewin. And Dennis would say, no. Because you get what you get, and that's what you bring to the boat. The weight doesn't matter. That's what you bring to the boat, you know. Um, and I think that's a really important message that knocking knocking five kilos off in an attempt to go faster might actually make you go slower and might make you a, a lot more unhappy and a lot more miserable mm-hmm. in the long term.
1: I think that's fair. You know, it's been a while since I looked at those weight adjusted scores on the I guess it's an erg data that it lets you toggle, and they're a little unbelievable, (laughs) but yeah, ultimately it's as fast as you can make the boat go.
2: You get what Um, you get. You know, you go as fast as you go. And I mean,
0: in so I mean, obviously, kind of like the the kind of the stress factor thing aside. Mm -hmm. I mean the big thing for me is 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 kind of like is is the changing cultures and and how any sport makes a healthy culture within it so Mm -hmm. i I think there are are probably things wrong in rowing culture at the moment because if if i kind of you know we both regularly participate in the ctc Mm -hmm. and the, the cross team challenge online and one of the the rules about that is you've got a five-person boat and you have to have there are three open slots and then there's one slot reserved for a female athlete and one slot reserved for a lightweight athlete it would be nice to think that we could bring in more women is there something in particular that i don't know rowing and indoor rowing can do to bring in more women
2: from your perspective
1: it's, it's funny First of all, I don't know if I'm the right person, because I'm one of the women who's consistently competing in that. But uh, I heard you talking some about that with uh, Dylan and Ian and that podcast. And uh, I listened to it around the time I was staying in a house with seven other women. And I started just asking, like, why are not why aren't you competing like you're rowing? Is there a reason like, you know, why aren't you doing some competitions and the. Pretty much everybody said is that they were traumatized by an ERG at some point in college and they have no interest in going to one again in their lives if they can help it.
2: I was bitten by an ERG as a small child. It stayed with me ever since. No, I, I know what you mean.
1: And so, and I feel like on the men's side, it seems like a lot of the guys who are competing in the cross team challenge came to erging from not rowing, but, you know, CrossFit or something else. Yeah, and found that they're good at it. And I'm wondering if I mean, I, I I wouldn't want to tell somebody who has been traumatized by an erg to do something that they don't think is conducive to their mental health. But I'm just wondering if there's other ways that we can find and bring people into indoor rowing, or um, if there's other ways to get people interested in some of these challenges. I don't have an answer.
0: Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I'm, you know, having thought about this for a while, I'm genuinely worried that there there isn't an answer. It's just going to be one of those things. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I is one of the things that I've really noticed about the cross team challenge is just how important the contribution of the lightweight athlete and the female athlete in that boat is moving it up and down the standings um and i don't i don't know if that is kind of the key to it is like emphasizing the contribution of not just like the three big meatheads um but like the other athletes that you have in the boat and how much of a difference they make so it's not you can say it's like oh yeah you know i've got a bigger school than you except you are actually pushing me further up the rankings um so i
1: wonder i mean I, so i realize at this point the website is kind of what it is and the rules are what they are and it doesn't seem like they're going to be necessarily changing soon, changed but, since
0: 2004
1: <laughs> but i wonder too like why do we have five people on a boat and i mean especially the whole the lightweight standard for men and women aligning with the on the water lightweight standard for men and women Um, I think we could get quite a few possibly women feeling like they're contributing to the boat if they could be 160 pounds and row as a lightweight because they're rowing against guys who are that size like I I don't really understand why we have the arbitrary um, effort, like, you know, I I think it's around 135 for women and then 165 for men, like, I I, I think there's things that you you could probably do there.
0: Uh, Yeah, I (laughs) I, I think for something that is i mean the ctc sorry i'm just i'm just going to give a background to some of our listeners who might who who aren't necessarily from the indoor rowing world who, who are just consider um water rows. the cross team challenge was set up i think in like 2003 2004 um As an Internet challenge, it's completely free. It's on a website that hasn't changed since 2004, literally. And um, it runs on a very old form of code. I think it's PDP. I'm not certain about that. I'm not an Internet guy. But noticeably, that's the type of code it runs on. it's a GDPR nightmare because people's names are on there. Apparently, the passwords are very easy to hack. And the <laughs> idea behind it is you put a team together, you do a monthly challenge, and the and boats are put together randomly. And the boats are five people with three open slots, which are usually filled by heavyweight, heavyweight male rowers. Then there's one st- slot, for a lightweight rower and one slot for a female rower. And the scores are assigned to teams on the basis of the position of the boats, not on the not according to the position of the individuals. So you have to have those five people. Um, and even if you've only got fourth place, if you've got fifth, sixth, and seventh. You're going to do better than the person who's at first, because there is an additive effect of all the different boats. Um, I think it's a great challenge. It's completely free, um, and it has a huge community. I think of close to tens of thousands of people who are actually in the online teams. Um, but yes, in in general, it is it is very kind of the website was set up. It hasn't changed. It's still got the same visuals it has in 2004, including some teams on there that I don't think exist anymore, necessarily, mm-hmm. and don't compete. Um, and it is... It would be
2: really nice <laughs> if
0: things could change. So so the, the idea okay. of letting... A, a, a woman under that £160 pound mark fill the lightweight slot is actually a that's a really good idea i think
1: the other thing that was just super challenging for me when i found it is i wanted to compete in it or you know but it wasn't really clear to me where the teams are organized how to join a team what the you know the uh uh, you know what the different I'm, i'm blocking out the word but just you know the
0: we're,
1: um, we're what what each team was like, you know, sometimes you have your teams where, you know, maybe they're all around a physical boathouse or something. And I, it's really hard to look at it and really know that. And I came to it at a point I wasn't on social media either. And I've since realized a lot of the organization is on social media. and So that might have been a gap, but it's not very clear on the website to me. Um, no, it, it's, no.
0: It's, it's absolutely shocking. You have to find a way to facebook bizarrely enough mm-hmm. um and the next video at least i think sometime this week goes into some detail about this there's a new website from british rowing called inside indoor and they've managed to list they've done the research and they've managed to list all the british indoor rowing teams oh. so um small people union isn't actually there um <laughs> But all all, all the British indoor rowing teams are actually on that website, on the CTC website, are listed um, on the inside indoor website, even though they don't actually talk about the cross-team challenge itself. Mm -hmm. So they've essentially just, they've just done a drag of Facebook and found all these indoor rowing teams. So there is an attempt to go and list it somewhere um which is kind of cool
1: that's interesting and i mean the next question for me as an american is like would i be if i were looking for a team right now are you, the british teams open to other people joining or are they pretty yes yeah, yeah, sub, sub, like
0: sub seven will accept your um application <laughs> <of> this but, <laughs> you, so, but... You, you don't want those damn that, those damn kiwis they're all just like Kiwi new zealand-esque um Sometimes-
1: funny thing when i was first looking for a team i saw sub seven and i did not have a sub seven two k and i was like well it doesn't seem like i'm welcome on that team
0: we, we are literally the most open team that you can possibly imagine we, we've got people who are just like posting their like 958 pbs and saying i've beaten 10 minutes for the first time they love it um yeah i mean okay to so be honest your team—it's very much a performance team, and I think you fit in there probably better than you would with us.
2: That was hard for you to say, wasn't it, Louin? Because you <laughs> really want to row with with a with a world record holder. I so yeah,
1: I will say I feel like at, at this point we have some pretty competitive people on that team, but that's not all that's on the team. Like we we had a we filled three boats this um, uh, last month, I guess, and. That was highly exciting for us. And there were some pretty fast times, and there were some pretty average times on there. I think my husband did it while watching some anime on TV to, to get a score. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'm,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm looking this one up now. Sorry, I'm. I'm, 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 oh, I'm having... where, where, is, where is last month's challenge?
2: you put we... ideas in his head, man. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah oh my god oh my god you've got like first and third that's not fair right you guys to... oh, stand a chance wow that's 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 genuinely really impressive that's really cool
1: but it's a lot um, of fun too because i know where i kind of fit with some other people i actually killed mm-hmm. myself on that one because i was chasing that and um i did not have any business chasing that but um I thought I could do plus 12 on his splits and I just died like at rep six and it was just a struggle to stay on that one.
0: But no, yeah. it, 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 it was a hard one last month, but yeah. It's, um No, I, I I wish that more water clubs would field entrance to it um, because it'd be really nice to see that. But then I also wish the website would be up, updated um i mean it'd be nice to just have filters at the top so that you could like filter by team or filter by um sex or filter by you know whatever it is other than just the names going down from first to 600.
1: yeah i'd love to be able to filter on female i can imagine the lightweights probably would love to filter on lightweights and see where they stand with yeah um I know there are some names that I typically kind of land near and I mean there's lots of ways to compete if you're competitive without trying to literally be at the top but you know am I going to beat that person this month or um yeah
0: yeah, I've had so many ideas that I have no idea how to like kind of implement in it but I I think it is quite limited, but it it is a really good website. It's it's really fun and it makes you do like at least two hard sessions every month,
2: so. Mm -hmm. At uh, least two. two At least two, Lewin, yes.
0: (laughs) Um, So, Elizabeth, first of all, I'd like to say thank you very much for your time. Um, It's been brilliant talking to you and congratulations on all the recent results, which have been incredible (laughs) to watch. Um is there anything in particular that you'd like to sort of like just bring up or are you um are you working on any particular projects at the moment that you you want us to publicize or anything?
1: Not particularly at the moment. Um I appreciate the opportunity to though. Okay. So although
2: I mean world <laughs> domi- I mean world domination I obviously, say... but but we don't need to talk about the world domination plan because it's fairly apparent, but you know, nothing You're not going to break another world record after you sign off with us, or you're going to have a crack at something tomorrow that will tumble and fall into the dirt beneath your mighty strokes?
1: Well, tomorrow it's one on, one off on the water. So no eternal er erg screen glory from that, but it will be good. But um, one thing I've been talking about with a couple of different people in the last week is it suddenly occurred to me I'm going to be forty for Worlds next year, and the way that they did it this year is there was not an open age category, so like on the men's side, Nick Thomas had to compete against the other forty-year-olds instead of being able to compete directly against yeah. like Phil and Cam and um, uh, at the at the five hundred, and um, it's a lot more fun when. You know you have the, the top people who can pace off of each other and just really see how all of them land together mm. so not that the two of you can do anything but um yeah but because
2: we're old like and right and the scores are terrible yeah 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 yeah
1: well yeah. no I don't, I don't know who has the in at world rowing but if we could bring it back that open age or allow people to compete down like mm. if i could compete against say elena and kirsten and people like that next year that would be fabulous um there's some really competitive people in their 40s too i just um it would be more fun with the opportunity to really see how all of us land
0: together one idea that i remember having um or no or i I didn't i didn't have the idea was that actually you should have the age categories Mm -hmm. and you can win your age category but everybody scores goes into the open. So it's oh. always racing kind of two races. You're racing in your age category, but you're also racing for the open. Um And so then you can probably like see like the top guys in, the t- in their twenties, thirties and forties together in the same actual heat. I like and that as well. I mean, it, I'm, I'm just in, in favor of any kind of time trial event the idea that you're racing different races at the same time Mm -hmm. um i I think it partly makes it more interesting i'm i'm
1: (laughs) i will say at the crash bees they did that sometimes where they would have multiple different groups racing at the same time and it was really confusing watching the screen and knowing what the different groups represented sometimes and um, I mean, there were sometimes I would look up, up on the screen and I'd say, this makes zero sense. And then I realized that they had both men and women in the same, Yeah. you know, and so, yeah, it's not going to make that much sense. Uh,
2: Can I plant a seed, a very, very small seed that may one day grow into a mighty um, D.C. Oak, oak tree or whatever the, the state tree is of, of, of Washington, D.C.? Um, you, you're about to do Head of the Charles which is a major, in October, it's coming up, you're training for it, which is a major tick list on any water rowers kind of lifetime achievements. Have you thought about Henley Women's and Henley Royal Regatta? I'm just putting it out there for your club, Henley Women's, Henley Royal, because it means we could come down and watch you and say hello for a start. But also, you know, it's, if you're doing the tick lists of the big races, Henley Women's Regatta and Henley Royal, I mean, you've got a year.
1: Well, I can ask coach about that. Ask your coach, we'll come
2: over. Be lovely <laughs> to see you. It, it, it,
0: it would be a fantastic coup to get. So you know,
2: we spoke to Elizabeth <laughs> before she won Henley Royal Regatta. R- 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 before she and won. And now she completely ignores us in the enclosure.
1: I, I, I also, my coach's response to us with this is Elizabeth. Why do you keep doing these things? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, just you know, just in terms of ticking, <laughs> Head of the Charles is a good one, Head of the River is a yeah. good one in, in London. But Henley Royal and Henley Women's are both fantastic events, you know. And you're you're yeah, just just planting a seed. Yeah. Doesn't it doesn't okay. have to, you know. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> I can talk to him. We'll
2: see. Cool. Report back. We'll see you this time next year with your okay. festoon with medals. <laughs>